Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Hannah, this is Kelty. We're upbringing. We are live uh, tonight to talk about the six roles that we can embrace in our parenting practices, whether we're parenting a baby, a toddler, a child, mm-hmm. an adolescent, a teenager, and we're having Jen of Your Parenting Mojo, our uh, favorite person, colleague, mm-hmm. and co-creator of our Right From The Start Baby course, uh, here to jump on with us to talk about those six roles because we created mm-hmm. them together. Think about those roles. And I think... They come up so often in my day-to-day being like, what's my fucking job again? What's my kid's <laughs> oh my job? God. What's my job? And I think it's something that we often coach with people with, with babies under a year, too, where they're like, am I doing a little too much? Am I doing a little too little? Where do I fall? And I think that that is it. That is in the middle. And we're going to get into that a little bit, huh? Mm-hmm. We are. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I think I saw Jen come on here. For those of you who are coming in here... Um, let us know what's going on with you. Mm-hmm. What's been happening this week? What are you struggling with as far as the big feelings, challenging behaviors of those sensitive and strong-willed kids in your life? That's what we usually talk about on these lives, mm-hmm. and we will get to that tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to talk about just quickly with Jen, those six roles. And then I think we're going to use those roles to apply to the challenges that you bring to us. Uh, so whoever is able to type in, we can get to those and think about, ooh, what role would I approach that challenge with? Yeah, and um, Hannah mentioned the Right From The Start Baby course, which has doors open right now. I'm just gonna say really quick. Yeah. It's a self-paced, um, beautiful video course mm-hmm. all about how to be in relationship, ideally with your baby based on scientific research and respectful mm-hmm. parenting tools um, for that first year of life, whether it's your first or fifth baby, sleep, mm-hmm. feeding, play and movement, diapering, dressing, bathing, uh, big feelings and attachment, feeding, um, all the things, all the things. And then there's the community element too, which we'll talk about with Jen as well. An eight month old, someone mentioned, uh, struggling using technology in front of them too often. Yeah. Let us know more about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's bring Jen on. Hi, Jen. Hello. Good to see you. It's super hot down here. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. Today was our warm day here in Oregon, too. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We're like, oh, my gosh, it's so hot. <laughs> well, yay. I'm glad you're here to tell us about all this. How do you yeah. think the, like, six roles um, that we strive to embody in our parenting, whether it's a baby or an older kid. Let's read them first. Do you want to read them? Yeah. Um, do you want to go through them all and then one by one, or wait, what's what's your plan? Um, let's just say them all, and then we'll go through one by okay. one. Okay. That's yeah, good. Sure. And then for those yeah. who are arriving, um, we're going to talk about these six roles that apply to babies, toddlers, kids, and then we're going to get to your challenges, a couple of those, and we'll apply those roles to your challenges and talk about the course a little bit. Sounds good. So the six roles, rule number, rule number one is the observer. Number two is the communicator. Number three is the skill builder. Number four is the co-regulator. Number five is the boundary setter. And number six is the innovator. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be like, I thought my role was like mom. I thought my role was like human. I thought my role, I think when we talk about these roles, mm-hmm. it can be easy to think, oh my gosh, I have more jobs on my, 
in my job description. Shouldn't I just keep them safe and fed and that's enough? Yes, yes, that's definitely enough. And I think talking about these roles brings us into acknowledging our privilege and thinking beyond those basic needs, right? Absolutely. Of them, Jen. Pardon? How do you conceive of the roles? What um, I guess I see it as a, a way to, to think about how we spend our time with our children and how we spend our energy with them. Um, particularly in that first year, I think it seems as though we can sort of rush through all the dressing and diapering and bathing stuff to get to the fun stuff. And then maybe when we get there, we're like, oh, this isn't actually that fun. And I saw Brittany posted in super early as you were given your introduction. I'm struggling with using uh, technology a lot in front of my baby. And I think, uh, I think she said her baby was a few months old. Um, and, and so we get there to the fun stuff and then we're like, oh, <laughs> now what do we do? <laughs> and so I guess I see the roles as a way of, um, of, of interacting with our babies that sort of removes the pressure from us in a way and, and gives us tools, gives us ideas for ways that we can interact with them that benefits our baby, yes, but that also benefits us in terms of understanding our, uh, ourselves and our place in our relationship with our baby. Mm -hmm. I love that. That idea of saying not just these are roles and things that we do as like the human giver to this baby. But this is a way that we can become in relationship with them. And we can do it start with babies, like we were talking about with our baby launching, or this could be with toddlers or with children or this, these uh, six roles I apply with my partner. These are just, <laughs> these are very personal in a lot of ways. Um, like you said, Jen, to, to just be in relationship and find that balance in between meeting another person's needs and meeting our needs. And I think that something I noticed very early on when I had my daughter eight years ago was that I felt like I was over-parenting, just doing so much and trying so hard, or I was under-parenting because I was just freaking exhausted and like and couldn't do it. And so I think, like you said, the energy, the, the, mm -hmm. the time you spend is finding a, a way to conceive of how am I like expending energy and how am I um, moving into relationship in a way that meets their needs and meets mine without overdoing it or underdoing it and mm -hmm. finding that middle way a little bit. I think these, these roles too speak to me in such a profound way um, around the journey that I've experienced in parenting in terms of letting go of my ego, in terms of decentering myself in my child's learning, they're growing and in the ways that they're just moving through a day. And, and I think when I had a baby and even a young toddler, I think I just thought it was just more about me or they needed to know what I thought or they needed to know what I thought was really cool for them or they needed to know what could and couldn't happen. And I think that, like you said, Hannah and Jen too, it speaks to, to this idea of, of rebalancing as opposed to it being a vertical us, like teacher to student relationship, like a lot of parenting wisdom we think yeah. But rebalancing re, um, that to a, a more lateral um, human to human, human to human really, mm -hmm. how do we strike that balance? Mm -hmm. in, yeah. Yeah. I was talking with Dr. Laura Forian earlier today. I know you've had her on the show and we were, we were talking about right from the start in, uh, in a Facebook group that we're both in. And she said, so you're not so much teaching people, how to do things as the process like because she said you can read so many books and say and, and they'll say well this is the answer you know you if you're having trouble at dinner time you uh you're, while you're cooking dinner you get some pots and put them in a cupboard so your kid can play with the pots or you put the you put a gate across the doorway or whatever it is and and so you can you can come up with a hundred ideas about those things or you can learn what are the skills that actually we need to be in relationship with other people <laughs> whether that's an infant or a toddler or a preschooler or an adolescent or another adult in our lives and I, I, and what are my needs in this situation right I, I sort of think if this is the, the little secret of the right from the start course that we, we go in saying yes we're gonna we're gonna help you understand all this stuff you need to know about your baby and then what people don't realize is the piece that they really need is the how do I understand myself how do I understand what my needs really are so that I can advocate for those and also meet my baby's needs as well and and that's what we're doing here is is we're focusing on the process of being in relationship with other people I love that I feel like it leads us right into the first role which we could discuss really briefly mm -hmm. which is that of the observer mm -hmm. right I think that that's yeah. a attunement, attunement to ourselves, attunement to 
our, our babies or our toddlers or our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, you could read it out loud or we could just kind of dive into what we think that means. How do you want to roll yeah. it? I think it just says that it's about seeing moments where we can let go of the need to constantly direct, fix, or entertain our baby or kid. Instead, embracing and trusting in the power of our observation. Simply watching our babies doesn't mean we're abandoning them. It can tell us a lot about our baby's personality, their needs, and how they uniquely experience the world. Same goes for toddlers and older kids. What are those moments we can just sit back and observe and that be enough? And that'd be actually better than getting in there. I think people with older kids are probably like, oh, I know. I'm, I'm happy to sit and watch by this point instead of be in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think another thing that we could add to that is while we're watching our baby, how about we also watch ourselves? How about we watch our baby reaching for something and struggling to get it and thinking, oh, what's coming up in me as my baby's doing that? Um, they're, they're, they're struggling a little bit more, a little bit more. And I, I love some Magda Garber said in one of her books, I forget which one, um, you know, how, how much should I let my baby struggle? And I think her answer was something like, until you feel you can't stand it any longer, and then just a little bit more. <laughs> because it's us that have such a hard time, right? We're like, oh, you're struggling. Here it is. I'll make it easy for you. When actually, that's really on us to figure out why Why is it hard for me to watch my baby struggle when they're struggling a little bit, but it's well within their capability to handle this kind of thing. And okay, can I let them struggle a bit more? Is it okay to let it go for just a little bit more? What's that like for me? And so that, ob- that constant observation of our baby and also of us, I think, starts to help us understand what are my needs in this situation and what are my baby's needs. I love that you point to that feeling of seeing our kids or babies struggle sometimes and, and thinking, they must be suffering to the point that I am in watching this. Mm-hmm. What they're feeling, this terrible feeling inside. <laughs> and trying to create a little bit of a buffer and build a little bit of space into that discomfort and see, see where it takes us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And up a lot in the course and that we talk about beyond babies and all these mm-hmm. other realms is that struggle is an inherent part of life and that it's okay uh, for, for our babies, for our toddlers, for our kids to struggle a little bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that that role of observer kind of uh, gives us permission to let go of the role of rescuer, fixer, doer, entertainer, which can really feel so exhausting. I, I remember with my daughter, I just felt like I was always on. I was on. I was having to do, 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 do. And it was really tiring. And I, I imagine even someone who has maybe three kids with a new baby, to having that same pressure on themselves to have to do, 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 and not realizing, hey, it's okay for their baby to struggle a little bit for a moment, to roll over, to want something and not be able to get it, right? Mm-hmm. Or I think too, I, there's so much that I noticed with my son when I was observing him two years later, after I kind of realized this a little bit, that I, I, I lost maybe with my daughter because I, I wasn't watching. I was just doing so much. Mm-hmm. So there's that, that beauty of mindfulness and noticing what are they interested in? Mm-hmm. What are they? Look at those little toes, right? I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I don't have to touch them. I can just look at them. I can just admire. What is he turning his head toward? What's going on right now? You know, why? What, what about it? Does he like that? Why does he not like that? There's so much about getting to know your child, too, through the power of observation. As someone shared, it's amazing to see what kids can figure out when you let them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think observing, too, just gives us that power of, of letting our child lead from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's never too late to start to say, this isn't the mom show. This isn't the Hannah show. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in relationship together. Both, as Kelty always says, we're both on this stage doing this improv routine. Mm-hmm. I'm not the director, the actor, the, the you know, the stage hand, all the things. We're, we're on this stage together, doing this together. And sitting back and observing allows your child to take up that space that maybe they wouldn't if you were directing everything all the time. Yeah, someone asked when they whine to ask for our help, whether it's a baby or older kid, mm-hmm. when it's time to jump in and give help. Um, when or just let them struggle. I feel bad when he looks at right into my eyes asking for help. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a good needs question for you, Jen. <laughs> um, I think a lot of that comes down to like, do you do you really believe that they can do it, or do you really believe that they need help? Um, 
and and some of that you know we talk about this in the sleep module where our our children will cry out at night for us uh, when when they wake up and do we need to go all in gung ho with everything we've got and pick them up and start you know juggling them and walking up and down and all the rest of it or you we have the sleep ladder should we go in at the bottom of the sleep ladder and just offer the most minimum amount of support so i i think if we can move away from seeing it as a binary i'm giving support or i'm not giving support but maybe i'm waiting and i'm waiting and i'm i'm making sure that you're okay i'm watching you really closely and then if your frustration level is getting to a point where eh, i'm not sure this is easy for you to tolerate anymore like this is this is becoming really hard what can i do that gives you just the tiny bit of support can i can i move the toy towards you a little bit or change its angle a little bit so that you can reach it or give your body a support or you know wh- whatever it is that helps them to, uh, to to move themselves forward with your help just a little bit providing just just a minimum amount of support um so that they can then do the rest by themselves and and then if that's not enough and their frustration still increasing then we provide a little bit more support and if it was enough then we back off again and a little bit less support so it's it's i think it's sort of classic scaffolding um which which we talk about in usually with much older children but it i think it's applicable at any age where we're looking to see what what can you do by yourself okay m- maybe maybe some of the time you're going to be doing that unless you know you're looking for connection with me in which case i'm going to step in and help but um if if you're not capable of doing it okay we're we're not going to spend too much time there but in this sort of this area where we're playing where um yes i think you can do it and here's just a little bit of help a little bit more okay now i'm backing off um i think that's such a fun place to to hang out oh yeah and i like you said it's that attunement that constant calibration yes and the role of the observer it doesn't say stay away and abandon that's not the role right. of or whatever <laughs> i'm i'm showing presence i'm here i'm seeing you and the idea is saying observing what you actually need so you want me to do your whole homework assignment for you it doesn't mean you want me to fully pick you up and mm-hmm. let you sleep on me all night long necessarily what is it that you're actually needing right? mm-hmm. and i think our kids behavior and their signals show us that so if someone's looking at us and being like need help then we can validate and acknowledge that even if we're not swooping them up or fixing the thing or doing whatever and i think same goes the opposite if our kid is building something or doing some art or playing with something are they in that moment truly asking for our validation our opinion our judgment probably not if they're in flow the the role of the observer reminds us that we don't need to be that person that's giving the feedback and that's making a judgment or that's distracting their focus away and kind of centering our opinion in that i feel like you kind of roll mm-hmm. into the skill builder on that okay. one should we move to yeah. that <laughs> Skill builder, I think also that's a, a, a parenting role that we immediately think like skill builder. Okay, that means we're the motivator. That means, that means we build all skills. We construct <laughs> the child, right? <laughs> we do, um, we accelerate them. We compare them, their milestones with everybody else's <laughs> milestones. Um, we, we, we buy the toys. Right, we buy all the toys and all the things to build the skills. Um, and the skill builder, the way we conceived of it for the right from the start baby course, sorry about that. Um, the way we apply it to, to our, our babies and our kids is a little bit different than that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to read the description? Sure. Of it says it's a sensitive role, the skill builder, because it asks us to support the critical milestone our baby is currently mastering rather than attempt to preemptively push them to reach the next one. It allows us to relax, trust, and recognize where they are today and offer our sensitive support that nurtures our baby's skills in their own way at their own pace. Yeah, that that comparison thing. Uh it's <laughs> such a thief of joy. I I rem- I see it a lot in in our Facebook communities um where you know my baby's not rolling over yet and they're supposed to be rolling over and and how wh- what's happening here and should I be worried and I I didn't ha- that didn't happen to me then. It happened to me a little bit later when um my husband got our daughter a a push bike and he desperately wanted her to be one of those kids who's doing wheelies and <laughs> and you know all the tricks on the bike and she would not go near the thing she she was not interested at all for over a year and uh we had another friend whose kid is super uh, athletic and he was the kid doing all the wheelies and all the rest of it and i'm like yeah my kid's not doing the wheelie <laughs> and <laughs> 
I mean, it's, it, it's so, I think it's so baked into our culture that we compare ourselves with other people. We compare our children with other people. And I, one of the reasons I think we do that is because we see our children as a reflection of ourselves and a reflection of our competence as parents. And, um, and, and it's, it's not helpful to us. And I, and I don't think it's helpful to our children either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that it's just so baked into our culture though, that idea. Yeah. yeah. Comparison, that idea of you are what you do, so you better do a lot and as soon as possible and the best as possible. And that's just really tricky. And that's something we can so easily do our relationship with our babies right from the start. So that's why I think it's such a critical one that we are offering in the course to, to have that, that mind frame of saying you don't have to do that. We're giving you per permission to trust where your baby or your toddler or your child is right now and really respect that what they're doing and is is important and that's why they're doing it and that they that longer than first kid or they might uh do it a little bit more quickly than your first child and that it asks us to see kids as completely unique individuals um, and perfect as they are not just perfect as they are but unique from other people like yeah. you, you just can't even compare them in that way it, it really helps us separate and say okay i can let go i don't have to stress about this i can mm -hmm. watch and make sure things are moving along okay, but I, I, this doesn't have to be dominating my relationship with my child because it can so easily tell them what you're doing, how you're doing it, and essentially who you are isn't good enough. It's not fast enough. Mm -hmm. It's not any of those things enough. All the things that we're dealing with in our 20s, 30s, and 40s, mm -hmm. you're like, are we good enough? Are we fast enough? Are we getting enough praise and accomplishment? Mm -hmm. Right? Our kids don't have to deal with that stuff. Yeah. Or yeah, they will in the outer world and how can we make it yeah. a home a safe place where they don't have to feel less than than perfect or less belonging or worthiness based on how they're showing up today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So um, does that move into the co-regulator? Let's move back to the communicator. Oh, the communicator. Okay. Yeah, we yep. skipped over that one. Killed you yeah. that one? Yeah, the role of the communicator is a reminder that connection goes two ways in our relationship, which feels a little funny with babies, right? Because we're like, they can't talk. What are you talking about? Um, even from birth, that's all about quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Rather than feel a pressure to arbitrarily increase the number of words we speak to our babies in the first year, this role helps us relax and consider the natural ways that we can bring our baby into awareness of and participation in their own life. Yeah, so I, I wonder if a lot of parents have heard of the, um, the word gap. Um, I think it's called the 30 million word gap, but almost seems as though it was designed to make research or to make uh, parents feel guilty <laughs> about not speaking to their babies enough. And I, I did a couple of episodes, a podcast episode, looking at the research on it. And um, by and large, this is looking at middle class white families and the way that they interact with their children. And basically saying, if you're not talking with your child in the way middle class white families do, then you're doing something wrong. And mm -hmm. that you your baby is not learning as effectively as if you uh, were talking with your baby in this way. Um, and I think it's really that the whole premise for the research is, is really flawed in my opinion and is uh, grounded in this idea that the way uh, white families are preparing their children for school, for success in life is the ultimate right way to do it. When actually uh, I would say that the way many of us were raised has left us with some difficulties. <laughs> in life and that maybe we might want to revisit the way we are we're interacting with our children and in, instead of seeing this you know 30 million word gap I've got to say 30 million more words to my kid otherwise they're going to fail in life that we can look at this as an opportunity to say okay that's one way of looking at it another way of looking at it is um, babies learn from what's happening all around them and through conversations that we are having with other people, with siblings who were not considered in any of these studies, um, sibling to sibling interactions not considered in any of these studies. Um, and and that our role as a communicator is not to shove words down their throat as fast as we can, but to have genuine interactions with them. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's like what you're saying is, is that as, as a communicator uh, in relationship with our kid, it's not about talking to them. It's about yeah. communicating with them. With them. And so I, I think that that's an idea of thinking, okay, so when I have my baby, I have my toddler, my kid, it's really easy for us to just kind of, 
either like dominate by speaking to them all the time and telling them what to do and how to do it and all these things, mm -hmm. or we're, we're just doing to them and not even talking to them. So they don't even know what's going on in their own lives. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think that they and we miss out on some really cool skill building. And like you said, Kelty, is quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. So thinking about when are the times that it makes sense to actually talk to my baby or talk mm -hmm. to my toddler, or talk to my child. Mm -hmm. this, this isn't prescriptive. This isn't the more words you say, the better. This needs to be relational. That's how kids actually learn is when it's pertinent to them and, and helpful to their relationship. So that's what we talk about in the course a lot is mm -hmm. daily caregiving activities. And that's such a great moment to be talking to your baby or your toddler or your child because things are happening to their body in between you two that you can be translating and putting words to and creating safety with. And this is even for, for babies that are pre-verbal. I think another part of the role of the communicator is saying, not only am I talking to them, but I'm also listening and looking and kind of um, channeling that observer a little too and thinking, what is my child or my baby telling me through their crying, through their rolling, through their pointing, or even through their tantrums or screaming or quote unquote misbehavior? All of that's very critical communication. And we have to value it like that if we want to understand mm -hmm. it and if we want our babies and kids to understand it too, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. so much too about the communicator being like questioning ourselves about when we're communicating. It's so easy with a baby or toddler to be like, mm -hmm. I just feel like talking and I feel like this thing is important. So I'm going to be talking about it right now and I'm going to be trying to get their attention. And I'm going to be maybe distracting them from what they're working Teaching. on. Yeah. And really be thinking about like what is pertinent to them and their life their body, their routine? How can I be conscientious about communicating about that and when they're ready communicating about that? Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. thinking about when they're receptive to those things. Yeah, I think that's super, super important. And, and it's so, so if you imagine going for a walk with your baby and, and what you could do as you're going is narrate every single thing that you see as you go and mm -hmm. co constant stream um, or you could wait for your baby to point to something, um, to, to engage with something, to maybe even sign something if they're on the, the older end and they're starting to get into to sign language and um, to, to use that as the basis for your engagement. Oh, you saw X, you saw a bird, you saw a dog, whatever it is, and, mm -hmm. and, and maybe talk a little bit about that. So following their lead rather than assuming that our thing is the thing that we, that they need to see. I mean, how often do have, <laughs> I know I used to, um, you know, my child would be interested in something and then, um, I'd be like, Oh yeah, that's interesting. But look at this. <laughs> when I could have stayed with what that was for her and allowed her to explore that more deeply, because I mean, did she really need to see the thing I had seen? Ah, maybe, maybe that could have come later. Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe I was just trying to think of something to say and it happened to, you know, come up at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the communicator to uh, what we talk about in the course is about respecting our baby's development in a way that none of us knew starting yeah. off that, uh, that our babies understand so much, even before they're verbal, they understand, oh my gosh, we're going to be going to this thing next, or I'd love to pick you up and move you to the next room, or are you done playing? Because when we're done playing, we're going to go eat something. And I think that so much about the communicator is saying, let's not be, like you said, a constant stream of dialogue but bringing our kids in in a respectful, informative way about what's happening next in their life. And I think yes. that, that if your goal is that your baby will talk sooner than later, that's probably how mm -hmm. we're going to get there. And, and I goal, think <laughs> <laughs> if, if folks are listening and they're doubting, like it, it's an infant, are, are they really understanding this? Um, if you if you Google the phrase rye diaper change, you will see videos of babies who are helping. Their, I mean, these are infants who are helping their their parent to uh, to to engage in this diaper change. So maybe they're they're sniff, stiffening their neck a little bit as you're picking them up. And there's actually academic research that backs this up that says if you repeatedly tell a baby, I'm going to pick you up and then you pick them up, then when you say, I'm going to pick you up, they stiffen their neck so that, so that they're prepared for you to do it. So they're actively taking on this information, hearing you, collaborating with you. Um, if we can learn how to, how to communicate with them and how to see their efforts at communication and, and receive those. Mm -hmm. When we have the time. I know we're also probably folks yes. listening are like, who has the time to talk to their baby that <laughs> long? And we can't always. And I think that's yeah. something we talk about in the course too, is like, no, we don't have an hour 
to do this bath with our baby. No, we don't have forever, but we can always show them. And just the role of the communicator is even just putting ourselves in mind of how am I communicating? How am I listening? How are we being in relationship in this way? It's, it's so helpful. And I feel like what all of these uh, roles, these six roles that keep talking about, like you said, with the diaper change is slowing things down when we can. Mm-hmm. When we slow things down, we can observe, we can communicate, we can uh, look at the skills that they're doing. We can regulate, which is our next mm-hmm. skill building. So many of these is literally about just slowing down a little bit in certain moments, not all the time. We don't have all the time in the world, but thinking, right. where does that time matter? to slow down a little and consider our energy and yeah. where we're putting it. And it tends to be yeah. with those daily caregiving activities and it tends to be around the big feelings and the, and the competing needs I'd say. Right. Yeah. So the co-regulator harnesses the power of our attachment with our baby as we offer our calm presence, just our body language, voice and vibe are incredibly helpful. Even if their crying doesn't stop right away. Although our job is to meet our baby's needs, we can't and shouldn't control our baby's feelings. What we can sometimes control is our ability to support the feelings. Mm-hmm. I think the co-regulator comes up basically right from the beginning when we realize, wow, my physical presence, my emotional presence, my all of those things is what's going to help ultimately calm them down when they're struggling or they're trying to express mm-hmm. a need that they're that they have, right? And then our goal. Yeah right? Isn't, you know, stopping their crying all the time, Mm -hmm. making them happy all the time. Mm -hmm. It's just showing that presence and saying, I'm here and my calm can help you calm. Mm -hmm. Or at the very least, my calm can help figure out what's going on in the role of the innovator later on, right? Mm -hmm. But it's so much about us and not saying what you're experiencing, baby, toddler, child is wrong. You feel it, you get it out, you tell me. Those feelings, which we've all grown to see as negative and dangerous and worrisome, are actually just forms of communication. And the earlier we can start seeing our babies and toddlers and kids communication with those negative things as helpful, normal, natural, necessary, the easier that we can engage with them about it and that they can learn how to move through those feelings too, you know? Yeah. I was actually just reading over lunch today, the, the four pivots um and uh, it's a, it's about uh four pivots in doing anti-racist work and the author is the first name is sean and i want to say the last name is Gainwright or gains right i wasn't prepared to talk about this so i didn't bring the book with me um but he, he randomly in the middle of a book he he started talking about his uh his child's colic and uh how you know he and his wife are just at their wits end with this baby that just would not stop crying and was telling a friend of his about it and and his friend was essentially saying the baby doesn't really have a problem the baby is navigating life in the best way that the baby can the challenge that you're having is because you want it to stop (laughs) and you want to change this baby's behavior so that it better fits with what you think you wanted this baby to be like. And that if you can instead accept what this baby is like and you and your wife, which he said, you know, it was turning us against it, turning it against each other because we each blame the other one for starting the baby off (laughs) and for setting up this situation. And, and instead sort of almost treat it like a meditation on how to, uh, to accept each of us towards the baby and also each of us towards each other. And I thought that was such a beautiful way of seeing it. And, and I think so much of uh, our relationships with our babies, um, as we're co-regulating, we're, we're helping them as they need it because they're, they're not necessarily as capable of regulating themselves. Um, so yes, we're providing that support, that calmness, that, that presence to them when they need it. But also we're not trying to fix them. We're not trying to say, you shouldn't be crying right now. It's not okay for you to cry. But, but yes, there are going to be times when you're going to cry and I'm here with you and, and I hold that with you and I accept that with you and I'm not trying to shut it off. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's such a uh, permission to just let go and say, I don't have to stop my baby's crying or my toddler's upset or my child's anger or whatever mm-hmm. it is. My goal and my role as the co-regulator is just relational safety to say you are safe experiencing that and going through that. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what we all need <laughs> uh, as that inner monologue when we're having mm-hmm. difficult feelings and difficult experiences to just say, I'm safe. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get through this. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we can be doing with our kids from the start as yeah. their little buddy. I think too, you it know. speaks to the fact, even just saying the word co-regulator, like regulator 
points to the fact that this is a body and a nervous system that needs support. And I think it's so easy for us, especially personally, having had two very sensitive and spirited babies and now kids, for people to pathologize and say, oh, that baby's so mad. Or that baby didn't like that you did that. Or you're doing something wrong. You're not meeting yeah, their They're needs. not happy. Or those things, instead of yeah. saying, they just need nervous system regulation. Mm -hmm. Like you said, Hannah, they just need to feel safe in their body in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it creates some healthy detachment. Like, they're, they're not, this is not a war of emotions. This is not you doing something wrong or your baby needing something you can't give. It's really saying, how can I strategically experiment and work to the best of my ability in this moment to calm their nervous system and through that calming, learn myself and teach them what their nervous system needs and make this the beginning of a beautiful conversation mm -hmm. between us and our baby or child and between our baby or child and their own body in terms of how to relax themselves and give themselves what they need when they're feeling dysregulated, when they're having needs, when they're tired, when they're hungry, when they're, they're not loving something. Well, and I love that that moves mm -hmm. us into kind of the innovator because this person said uh, up here, this is a challenge for me. I say, you're okay because I want to comfort him, but it's really comforting me. Mm -hmm. And that's so understandable. And I think so much about when our, our kids are having those big feelings as the co-regulator, and maybe we're not feeling so calm ourselves, so how are we supposed to help them calm, mm -hmm. is then moving into the role of innovator. And instead of saying, I know that you're okay, or I know what you need, asking a question instead and saying, what do you need? That is also providing relational security. It's saying, what do you need? I want to know. for you. Yes. Oh, you're struggling. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow, what's happening? Or changing you? that phrase instead of you're okay, which might become, especially as kids get older, inflammatory or gaslighting or a rejection of their experience into, we're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. This is going to be okay. We'll get through this. Like, as in, we're going to get past this. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And and I, I love that comment so much. Thank you for, for the person who posted that. Um, I, because, I mean, she's saying, I, I want to comfort him because it's, but it's really comforting me. And why, why do we need that, right? Because nobody did that for us. Nobody told us that it was okay to experience all of our emotions and that they would accept us and love us anyway, no matter what we put out into the world. Um, especially if we identify as women, we're, we're not allowed to, ex to, to express anger. Um, I was just talking about this on a coaching call today with, with people who are saying, I say I'm frustrated a lot and I'm wondering, and I said to them, I'm, I'm wondering if a lot of the time you're actually feeling I'm angry, but you know it's not okay to say that. <laughs> and so when we grew up not having our feelings validated, um, we're sort of saying this, you're okay to our baby and we're saying it to ourselves. So what if, what if we could say that to ourselves in our head? I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I'm okay. I can cope. Um, and then to our baby, we're saying, I'm here for you. Mm. I'm here with you. And so that then we're, 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 it's, um, I mean, it's almost like we're essentially what we're doing is reparenting ourselves. This is why this is freaking hard, right? Because <laughs> we're reparenting ourselves at the same time as we're trying to do something different with our own children. Um, I, I don't want to kid us that this is, this is not difficult, that this is, um, not revolutionary, groundbreaking, cycle-breaking work that we're doing here, because it is. Mm. Someone wrote, I did the Right From The Start course last year, and you three were instrumental in helping me lay the foundations for self-awareness, acceptance, and an adaptation in navigating life with my three- and one-year-olds. Thank, mm. you. Thank you. Thanks for that, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jen, for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I, I love your take on it. I'm okay. This is not an emergency. I'm going to get through mm -hmm. this. Yeah. And if we can calm ourselves with that statement, then what can we offer our, our babies? It's so yeah. beautiful. Do you want to read the role of the innovator? Mm -hmm. So when our, our, our kids are, are, are challenged or our babies are upset, mm -hmm. when we're upset or challenged, what do we do, right? Rather than sinking into resentful martyrdom for meeting only our baby's needs, we're struggling with shame for meeting our own. The innovator allows us to get curious, creative, and experimental in finding ways to meet both of our needs when challenges arise. There won't always be the perfect strategy to get both our baby and our needs met in every given moment, but innovation is a long-term practice that will support our ongoing relationship for years to come. Thinking about those ways we can be innovating with even an infant and thinking about how that's going to pay off in relationship and saying, you have needs, I have needs, what can we do here with our older kids, right? 
Yeah, I think a lot of this goes back to not believing that we necessarily know the answer or the one right way. I mean, we, we sort of have this, this dual role, right? Where we're supposed to put on this front of, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I've got this under control. And then behind the scenes, we're like, I have no freaking idea what I'm doing. And I hope everybody believes <laughs> the, the front, because if they ever see what's really going on in here, then I'm not sure I can cope. Um, so so we, we know that we don't have all the answers. And yet we present this front to the world of, I, I've got it figured out. And I know the way this needs to be done and we do it you know we it turns us into a gatekeeper with our partners which which makes our relationship more difficult makes it more difficult for them to engage with the baby um and and we also we we, we set this habit when our baby's young of i know what the answer is instead of looking to our baby for uh, some of the answers in how how we can interact with them, how we can work with them in, in terms of what they like. And I think if I wish I had known that earlier, that I can look to my baby to understand what, what's what do they like? What's really going on for them so that I can consider that as I'm figuring out, OK, how, how are we going to do this and taking on their ideas and perspectives in this, even before they can express it verbally. Um, that just sets the stage for the toddler years when all of a sudden they have big ideas and big opinions and they are not shy about expressing them. We, we've already had some practice at saying, OK, I, I know I don't know the right way to do everything. Let's let's try it your way and see how it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that idea too of the role of the innovator being our, our first practice and often around sleep. This is our, the, why in the Right From The Start course, sleep is our first module because often it is the first experience we have as parents with conflict with our baby, yeah. with compromise with our baby, with potentially collaboration with our baby through those, through those moments of conflict, realizing, okay, they're maybe needing these things. This isn't working for them. They're crying. They're waking up. They won't be held by this person they're needing this other thing and then how's that working for me how's that landing for me how's that jiving with with my needs and and routine and relationship with my partner and when you think about it it's like how would we even think we know how to solve a problem that relates to us with another person mm -hmm. how do we how would we even think that now it's like when i think back so on this, like, i thought that i had to have all the answers and that's like the mass conspiracy that mm -hmm. we're always telling people it's not true with your baby with your toddler with your kid with your adolescent with your teenager with your partner it takes two to not just create that challenge, but also to solve that challenge. Mm -hmm. And again, it's seeing our babies and our toddlers and our kids as, as so capable and as so whole and human of saying this problem is because it's different needs. It's not just about us all the time. It's about this other person. Mm -hmm. And our child and baby might not be able to communicate that in a really straightforward way. Like my husband can't communicate with me <laughs> still half the time. Most of us still struggle. So to to just then take our child or baby off the table and say, well, that's okay, it's all on me. That's where all these other skills and roles that we just talked about, the observer, the, you know, the skill builder, the communicator, the co-regulator, these are, these are all these other skills that come in to help us innovate. We innovate through our observation. We innovate through our own sense of calm. We innovate through talking and asking questions, right? All of these uh, skills that we're talking about come into play together and that includes the boundary setter, which really goes big one. in with the innovator. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, what, what about our needs? And so much about that mutual thing is not just saying my baby has a perspective. My child has needs and the answer may be part of the key to this challenge. Mm -hmm. But also my needs matter just as much too, right? That me meeting my needs isn't selfish. It's incredibly productive to our relationship, to my baby, to yeah. our family. That's been a revelation in a lot of our uh, coaching calls and right from the start, right, Jen? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it was critical for me as well when, when I learned this way too late, way too late. I had absolutely no idea. Um, no such thing. Anyway. Right. <laughs> never too late, never too late. <laughs> well, let's just say that the early weeks of Karis's life were not the easiest. Um, my husband was training for a long bike ride, uh, for a 100-mile road ride that we had done together the previous year. And the, it, she was born in June, so the Tour de France was on. And so he would cheerfully and willingly get me anything I needed, do anything I needed. And the rest of the time, he was on his bike or watching TV. And something about that 
didn't feel right to me <laughs> and I didn't know how to express it because he was getting things for me and doing things for me. My need was still not being met and I, I didn't have the ability to even fully understand it. Never mind articulate that. Never mind ask for help in getting that need met. And so I, I just think that it, it created a lot of problems for us in, in that first year that compounded in subsequent years. Mm -hmm. And that, frankly, we're, we're unraveling right now and, and going really deep on, on that unraveling right now. So, um, so I, I, I think it's absolutely so important to understand what our needs are and to be able to say, you know, and, and those of us who identify as women are trained not to do this, to say it's not okay with me to do that to set that boundary. And when we can do that with our children, even from the earliest ages, what we're doing is we're, we're helping them to see, uh, I have value in this relationship too. And this is what it means to set a boundary and you can set them as well. And that means that they will go out and have relationships with other people in their lives as well and be able to set boundaries with them and be treated with respect and not be rolled all over because the only model they've had is seeing us roll over anytime mm -hmm. that they ask for something. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that a lot of folks are like, oh, you did a baby course. Mm -hmm. Oh, is it just like meet all your baby's needs all the time, no matter what? Yes, and parent. Good luck to you. Mm -hmm. And I think so much about the, the right from the start course that's unique as far as a, a baby course and offering goes is saying that we, we, uh, hope to, to meet the parents' needs and, and convince them that their needs matter just as much as their babies or their toddlers or their kids. And that that's what not just a healthy dynamic and productive dynamic is in the early years, but like you said, Jen, it sets up conditioning of what a healthy relationship and dynamic is for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. It's really, really important, but it's really hard. A lot of folks in our community are like, I, I feel like I have to let everybody in to see the baby or to pass the baby mm -hmm. around at a party. I feel like I can't tell my partner that they need to get their butt up in the middle of the night <laughs> to, to deal with, with our baby or that they need to do this thing differently with our toddler mm -hmm. or older child. Or it's something we hear often from parents of older kids saying yeah. like, I gave, gave, gave to everyone in those early, that early yeah. year or two. And now I'm just sick of it. My kid has to pick up after themselves. My husband has to get up. And it's just like yeah. last straw. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm burnt out in every possible way because mm -hmm. I did everything. I didn't know what my needs were. I didn't know how to set a personal boundary or a limit. It was all about everyone else's needs. There was no balance there. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I, I definitely see that a lot in the attachment parenting world. And uh, the, the idea that you, it, it's all about your baby, the only information that you're given is about your baby and how to meet their needs. That frankly, your role in life at the moment is to set up the optimal developmental environment for your baby. That's it. Mm -hmm. there, there, there's nothing else to it. Um, and we and we see a lot of those folks then showing up in the respectful parenting groups being like, I got nothing left. <laughs> I'm burned out and I've got nothing left for me and I've got nothing left for the kids. And I, I don't know where to go from here. And so, yeah, I think um, what, what we're, what we're trying to do in the course is, is not to say there is one right way and you are going to do it this way, but let's help you figure out what's right for you and, and what balance of needs with all the different people in your family is right mm -hmm. for you. And let's help you understand that and articulate that to people and work on getting those needs met for you, for your baby, for your partner, for anyone else who's involved in, in that relationship. Mm -hmm. I think people don't even think about setting boundaries with an infant. Maybe you would like, oh, you're like, when they're two, I'm going to say it's a boundary. You can't run off or it's a boundary, <laughs> like things like that. And I think we can be dialing that back. And so much of this boundary setter role is about practicing early. But it says we want to give you permission to practice setting boundaries, even small ones in the first year. Advocating for yourself can actually help your baby feel more secure in boundaries. Don't just allow us to show up better for our babies, but they see to our own important needs along the way. That's the, the life raft, the oxygen mask that we are needing, right? So what yeah. could some boundaries look like that we could be setting with our baby even? Saying, I, I don't want my hair pulled on. I'm going to set you down. That's a, mm -hmm. an obvious one to me. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't want to be nursing you all the way through the night anymore. So what can we do? Mm -hmm. Right? Again, I think so much about boundary setting and about this innovation isn't about saying it's your needs or mine, right? Winner, loser, right, mm -hmm. wrong. Mm -hmm. 
right? Mm-hmm. We don't have to go that way with parenting. That's why I love the, the, the amazing group of folks that come into the community because a lot of them are like, I was going to give my baby everything they needed. And then I realized me. And then other folks were like, I was going to give myself everything I needed. I was going to let my baby cry then, out all night because I'm just done. And then I thought, well, maybe I can figure this out and kind of meet both of our needs a little bit. When we break out of that binary mindset, but the boundary lot. doesn't need to be the end of the conversation. Right. It's just the beginning. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so important for ourselves to learn how to set boundaries to, to protect ourselves, to nurture ourselves, to show love towards ourselves, as well as model that for our children so that they will be able to do the same thing in their relationships with us. Frankly, they're going to need to set boundaries with us. Um, you know, mom, it's not okay for you to watch my genitals anymore. Um, they, they, they get to set that boundary when they're ready to set it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's an early one and, and they're going to set more boundaries with us. And, and I, I think we should welcome that and, and welcome our children's ability to identify what's right for them and be willing mm-hmm. to say that to us. Because then when they go out into the world and interact with somebody else and something doesn't feel right to them, we know they're much more likely to be able to say that to another person and that they're not going to necessarily get dragged into situations as easily mm-hmm. where uh, they know it isn't right, but they don't know how to say it and they're too afraid to say it. I love that. And they can hear it too from other people, which is kind of critical as well. You speak to the fact that like, whether we have a baby or a teenager, we can make our home a safe place for personal boundary setting, where Mm -hmm. all of us grew up in a lot of hostile environments around boundary setting where things got pushed too far. So finally someone yells, you can't do that, or that's enough. Or, Mm -hmm. or a parent is maybe in that top down hierarchical role of saying, what I say goes, what I need goes, all my boundaries matter and your boundaries don't matter. Mm-hmm. And I think how, like thinking about this through the right from the start course and all the work we're doing parenting older kids too is saying, how can we make our home free for people to be setting boundaries lovingly, that it doesn't have Early. to be you or me, right or wrong, good or bad, but saying all of our needs matter, all of our personal boundaries can be honored to the best of everyone's ability. And this can be a safe, comfortable space what if we're able mm-hmm. to begin that conversation as early as possible. That's like mm-hmm. a course description. That's like the description for right from the start, <laughs> I think, is saying how do we just understand and respect and trust in our baby's needs and how do we respect and trust and honor our own needs? Because that's how relationships are really built and that's how families grow in ways that can really stand the test of time. saying, honey, if I say, I don't like that you're watching TV all evening, I'm needing you to do this thing. Or saying, baby, I can't pick you up and carry you around right now while I'm doing these dishes. Make it safe for us to say that. How can we be practicing that and feeling that sense of, it's okay that I have this need. It's okay that I'm putting up this personal boundary. And building a culture around that with our partners, if we have any, and with our kids, so that they can reciprocate or acknowledge that need or personal boundary in a respectful way. That no one has to lose or feel like they were wrong or wronged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm with Kara so it was it was probably about six months ago now and and it was around screen time and my husband was proposing a limit on screen time that was not going to work for her and and I think she said that doesn't meet my needs <laughs> and I said, yes <laughs> something is right here <laughs> that she's able to understand that and articulate that and then we can move into okay what is your need here what what is it what is going on for you let's yeah. let's understand what that is we'll try and we'll hold that in this hand and what what are our needs here let's hold that in this hand and see how we can meet both of those needs and so when we when we start young that's how it comes out when the child is you know six seven it comes out really really surprisingly and beautifully and Mm -hmm. and sooner than we would expect our our the power of our influence is so great Mm -hmm. Uh, and I always want to say too when we're talking about all this baby stuff it can just really dredge up a lot of anxiety a lot of shame Um, a lot of insecurity in us because we raise babies too, not Mm -hmm. having thought through a lot of these things or feeling comfortable in these Mm -hmm. roles. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And the reason I love talking about these roles and I love the the coursework that we do with right from the start is saying these are skills that we can be working on with our our kids and ourselves through any age, right? Mm -hmm. And this is also the gift that we can give if we didn't have this opportunity with our infants or our toddlers, mm-hmm. that we can be giving to other people in our community to be supporting and passing that on to them, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
And so we have gift certificates available <laughs> for the first time <laughs> in the course. So if, if, if you're, and I know a lot of folks who are watching this or part of your audience are parents of older kids, but if you have parents in your communities who have younger kids, ooh, I, I like your plan. <laughs> um, and, and you see how life would have been different for you if you had had this information about these roles and about all the other things we've been talking about and you want somebody you want somebody to know this now while they're you know their baby's still in that first year or even when they're expecting then yeah we do have the mechanism available for you to to buy the course as a gift certificate mm -hmm. yeah we have so often uh, people come to us in our in our spirited kids club or in some of your trainings i've heard you do too where they're like why didn't I know this six years ago? <laughs> why, why didn't, didn't we? Why, why didn't we, didn't we know? know this two years ago? Why didn't I know this 10 years ago? And I think mm -hmm. that can be the, the gift that we can give other people is saying, we didn't know it then. We know it now. We're working it. We're doing it. And here's this gift for you to get started in thinking about being in relationship with your baby in a different way that's going to set you up for a little less friction, a little bit less stress, mm -hmm. potentially. In those later years that are that can be really challenging mm -hmm. i was yeah. going to say know it which i think <laughs> you bring so much of the research into the course and the community jen but i think also just feel it just mm -hmm. feel more comfortable just feel more clear just mm -hmm. feel more confident which i think was something that like i had so much information in my first year and i was so overwhelmed by it and i didn't feel calm or confident or capable mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and i think so much about the course is helping parents just feel better about the work they're doing because mm -hmm. we can't tell anybody how to, to be with their baby. Only they and their baby know those things. And that's the work of the course is helping folks get clearer on what their baby's needs are and their needs are so that they can figure that out together. Mm -hmm. It's not a dogmatic, it just do this, just co-sleep, just put them in a crib, just feed them this at this age. Mm -hmm. There aren't those types of rules. That's not actually the skill building. Mm -hmm. Like we started this whole conversation with, that's going to last them through any challenge and problem. These mm -hmm. are fundamental skills that are relationship-based skills mm -hmm. um, that can apply to everybody. Yeah, yeah. I think in our culture, we have this real idea that if I just have the right knowledge, then I'll have what I need. And, and that knowledge is really the key when actually the knowledge is a small part of it, which is why we give that to you and it is research-based and we, we uh, give you just the, the information you need and don't make you wade through <laughs> all of the stuff that you don't need. But it is absolutely really about, okay, now I have that, what am I going to do with it? And, and what am I going to do with it that helps me to feel safe and secure in this relationship and helps my baby to feel safe and secure in this relationship too? Mm -hmm. I love it. This is really yeah. fun, Jen. Thanks for coming on, Jen. This is so fun. Yeah. Um, for anybody, oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, the, the, remind people that the course is open now for enrollment through the Midnight Pacific on the 13th, which is Wednesday. And then we all start together on the 28th because I, one of the things that makes this so powerful is, um, is that we are working through this, um, as a cohort. So you, obviously you can, you can watch the modules, the video content and, and read it or read the transcripts if you prefer and do that whenever you like. There's, there's no requirement to, to do that within a certain time frame. We'll release that to you one, uh, one module per week. And then if you want to join us for the coaching calls, you get to come and basically kind of do what we're doing here and <laughs> chat with us. You're, you're not one of 300 people buried five pages deep in a list of Zoom uh, participants. We actually talk with you about your concerns and coach you through the challenges that you're facing. Um, and I think that that's super unique. You know, you don't get that many opportunities when you're having these kinds of relational struggles with your baby to actually talk with somebody about it and have them help you not just, you know, okay, well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? But to say, okay, what's really important to you here? And, and what's going on for your baby? And okay, now we understand that. What do you think we could try? And, and, and really coaching people through that. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to getting started. I'd love to in those, uh, group coaching calls, whether you're watching them live and participating or watching them later at your leisure, just the number of things that come up that have nothing to do with a baby, <laughs> right? So many people sharing about their mother-in-law and sharing about the grief over the death of a parent or feeling anxiety about a baby going to daycare or feeling overworked or struggling with a partner or like so many things or toddlers, older kids, struggles with those that yes, are connected to the baby, but something else. 
And that's what I love about those coaching calls is you never know what people are going to be bringing to the table and it's all welcome. Mm -hmm. And it's all brought yeah. to the circle community mm -hmm. also where you can type in and connect to everybody who's in the cohort, mm -hmm. uh, even past the eight weeks that we're all together um, and ask questions about anything, share about anything. Mm -hmm. it, I, I wish I had had that space because I just had Kelty and I called her a lot. And I was like, I don't have a baby yet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> scaring me. I don't know. Goodbye. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I was like, I'm pregnant. Thanks for this. <laughs> I feel so much better. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so nice to be able to have a safe place to, to be able to raise those things that come up when, when you have a baby and you didn't even even know that this stuff was there and your relationship with your parents and your spouse is changing and how do I navigate that and to have a place where you can take that stuff um, I think is is really helpful to a lot of parents and the final thing I want to mention is our sliding scale pricing mm -hmm. because um, it's so important to us that we uh, we work with everybody who wants to work with us no matter what their financial situation is and also we offer for anyone who identifies as BIPOC we don't assume that you can't pay the higher rate but if you would like to pay a lower rate as a form of reparations then we invite you to pay one of the lower rates so um, so we, we hope to accommodate anybody who wants to join the course with no financial barrier. Awesome. Well, we will be on and connecting throughout the week. Mm -hmm. um, a little less than a week from today, doors close. So let us know if any of you have any questions about the course, mm -hmm. um, it's, any it's makeup questions. model, anything. Yeah, questions about gift certificates or mm -hmm. think about who you would want, who you love in your life, who you know, who you could send this to. Not as a, here are all the right answers because you're going to do it wrong. But in a saying, this is an open-ended, non-binary, research-focused, respect-based course. I love you and I want to offer this to mm -hmm. you to absorb at your leisure, at whatever. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I want to like give it away to everybody. Mm -hmm. Like it's, just, it's one of those things I wish had been given to me. So anyway, yeah. keep that in mind for all of you who do not have the baby right now, but who uh, maybe have folks in your community who do. Thanks, right, Jen. Jen. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You. Good to see you. Talk to you again right. soon. Thanks, see you everyone. soon. All right. Bye, Bye everyone. Soon. Bye.